0: Keep going.
1: This is a Meet the Composer bonus track
2: Hello podcast subscribers, Nadia Sirota here And welcome to our first ever Meet the Composer bonus track in between the release of each Meet the Composer episode, we'll be sharing exclusive recordings, live events, and other bits of pertinent stuff. Today's bonus track is the Meet the Composer launch event, recorded live in the Jerome L. Green performance space on Varick Street, June 24, 2014, which featured music by all five Season 1 MTC composers.
3: And so it began. So, thank you, Frank Zappa.
2: Thank you. So that was just a little taste of our new podcast called Meet the Composer on Q2 Music. I'm Nadia Sirota from Q2 Music. Through these hour-long portraits, we'll take listeners into the minds and creative processes of some of today's most innovative and compelling composers. I am so, so proud of this project, and we've been working on it in some way or another for about two years. So today is really a celebration. We're live in the Jerome L. Green performance space celebrating the launch of this new series. So we'll hear a little bit more of these shows later, but let's get down to business. Tonight we'll meet all five composers of the inaugural season, and we're going to start our celebration this evening with music by Irish composer Donica Dennehy, live in the green space. So this is a piano trio called Bulb, and we'll hear it performed by pianist Vicky Chow, Ashley Bathgate on cello, and violinist Todd Reynolds.
0: Thank you.
2: Music by composer Donica Dennehy. The work is called Bulb. Our trio features Vicky Chow on piano, Ashley Bathgate on cello, and violinist Todd Reynolds. Composer Donica Dennehy's music has been called magnificently energetic by the New York Times. Dennehy has received commissions from a laundry list of folks, including Soprano Don Upshaw, the Kronos Quartet, Alarm Will Sound, and the St. Paul Chamber Orchestra, among many, many other organizations. He's also the co-founder of the Crash Ensemble, a Dublin-based new music group, and he's actually in Dublin right now. So via the magic of the internet, we are gonna talk to him via Skype. I hope. Hello, Donica. Hello. <laughs> Um so Donica I don't think you can see me but I can see you so just pretending that you're you're look right into my eyes right now Just okay. picture me. Yeah, I saw you waving. you I know I, sn- I snuck a wave. So <laughs> Um so this piece bulb to me it's a very traditional chamber ensemble. It's a piano trio. I can't think of anything sort of more traditional than a piano trio. But when I listen to this piece, it definitely sounds at least like there are more than 3 people playing if not like there is some kind of electronic transformation happening. Um did you do that on purpose, and how did you do it
4: yeah it, it, it's um entirely acoustic actually, and um so I did think when you approach the pianotry, it's probably the most classical of formats in a way. I mean there's some great pianotry that was written, and um i I didn't approach. I thought, oh, I'm going to forget about all this stuff that's written for piano trio, as if it's some sort of like afternoon concert on the pier with tea and scones, <laughs> and um, and I'm just going to write for it as if it's this massive sonic machine, as it were, <laughs> which is the strangest way of approaching uh, a piano trio. I realise. and. Um, uh, the the reason that it sounds like it's electronically modified and there's nothing no modification at all is that it's all based on a kind of over pulsating overtone series of, uh, based on a fundamental a G. and the way that that combines in different places produces these kind of amazing um, I don't know sonic interactions that uh, text new kind of buzzing textures uh, and th- and that in a way means that the instruments kind of filter each other. That's the sort of mm. approach I took. Anyway.
2: So you picked specific- pitches very specifically to get that effect of, of weird, almost electronic timbral interaction.
4: Um, yeah, cool. and I, I played around it and I worked with this piano trio and then modified some things based on which, But I had all these kind of roots through the Overtone series that I was working on, yeah. So yeah. That,
2: that actually leads me to my second question. Um, I know you run the Crash Ensemble. Do you yeah. use um, the members of your group in your compositional process or do you sort of write by yourself and then sort of bring it to your friends and say, here, make this happen on
4: stage? No, I use and misuse them, for sure. And um, I often phone them up and check things out and then record things that I'm writing and then... Um, just to make sure for example, in this piece that I wrote called Grog a Boss for Crash Ensemble and Erlo uh, Leonard, there are these kind of gymnastic patterns of overtone of um har- natural harmonics and there was I really had to try that out on players and and so you know, I often worked with Kate Ellis, the cellist, and um recorded her and then figured out what worked the best so I mean I've been very lucky in that regard to have that kind of Feedback
2: loop. Um, So you just, congratulations, you just got a big fancy job at Princeton. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Are you excited, apprehensive about moving to the States full time?
4: No, I'm very excited, actually. I'll be moving in a few weeks. <laughs> so um, had it been a few weeks later, we could have uh, done this in person, not <laughs> in Skype. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Um,
2: well, thank you so much for staying up. I think it's kind of late there, late-ish, late enough anyway. Um, yeah, it is
4: late, but it's, it's fun to do it for you, Nadia, for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we're sad you can't stay and have a drink afterwards, but let's have a round of applause again for Donica Dennehy. So now we're going to meet another composer who is featured in season one of Q2 Music's Meet the Composer, Caroline Shaw. <laughs> Caroline is a working violinist and vocalist in the New York City new music scene, appearing with such ensembles as the American Contemporary Music Ensemble, or ACME, and the vocal group Roomful of Teeth, which totally won a Grammy very recently. But last year she became Pulitzer Prize winning composer Caroline Shaw, which is fancy, and is currently working on a doctorate at the uh, composer program at Princeton. So let's welcome to the stage Caroline Shaw. So I definitely met you in your sort of performer hat. Um, and maybe I had a vague recollection that you were composing music, but I definitely, um, I mean, I, don't, I didn't see you doing it, so for me it was sort of out of sight, out of mind. What takes up more of your time now, composing or performing?
5: Um, I sort of try to triangulate between violin and singing and composing, so it, it's, it's like a rubber band, it goes back and forth. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, in my mind, when I, when I listen to pieces that you've written, and some of them have actually gotten the chance to play, um, they feel very idiomatic, Um, So I'm actually wondering, I mean, A, that's great because it makes them (laughs) lovely to play, but um, does improvisation factor into your compositional process at all?
5: Um, A little bit, yeah, I think, um, or just sort of knowing what I like to play and what I like to sing very well and what comes naturally, and I don't like to write things very hard because I don't sometimes like to play things that are very hard. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, there's a little bit of improvisation. I know when I work with room full of Teeth, um, we talk about vowels and the mouth shape, and we try a lot of things out with each other. So, yeah.
2: Um, so we're about to hear a piece that you wrote for Hannah Collins uh, called "In, in Manus to Us." Can you talk to us a little bit about what the title means and where the piece comes from? Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, I wrote "In Manus to Us" in 2009 for Hannah, um, and it come. The title comes from a talus motet called. In Manus to Us, which is Into Your Hands, and the rest part is I Commend My Spirit. It's um, a really beautiful motet that I used to sing in this choir in New Haven in Christchurch, and it's a beautiful neo Gothic church. Um, I don't know, the ceiling's 30, 40, 50 feet. I'm not good with numbers. Um, (laughs) But I I sort of was imagining... um, There's a service called Compline, which is every Sunday night, and it's very, very dark, and it's only candles, and it's only about 20 minutes long, and there's no speaking. It's only music. And um, we were talking about what if you did this... Like a cello Compline, so solo cello. And I was trying to imagine what if you were hearing this motet, but you were sort of suspended up... 30 feet in this cathedral and getting just kind of the residue of the motet. So some things kind of peel off for a long time, longer periods of time, and um, just get little little remnants. That's great.
2: Let's hear the piece. This is cellist Hannah Collins performing Caroline Shaw's In Manus to us on the Dromel Green space. Jealoused Hannah Collins performing in Manus to Us by Caroline Shaw Caroline come take a bow tonight we're having a launch party for our new podcast called meet the composer on Q2 music our next composer's music has been called minutely crafted and utterly lovely by the Chicago Tribune. The Washington Post calls his work dark, dark, and deeply poetic. Composer Marcos Balter has worked with ensembles that range from the rock band Deerhoof to the American Composers Orchestra and the Amazonas Philharmonic. Please welcome to the stage of the green space composer Marcos Balter. Yeah. sir. So. Um, so you were born in Rio de Janeiro, um, and everybody's eyes are currently trained towards Rio. So how do you feel about the World Cup right now?
6: It's really funny because I'm not really into soccer, so I'm yet to watch a single match. I only know the scores through social media, so I, yeah, I'm the wrong person to ask that question. Um, so you've said before in public that you hate
2: being referred to as a Brazilian composer. Why is that?
6: Well, I, I, I just feel like when it comes to third world countries, uh, there's that expectation of uh, your art being ethnic, uh, and there is a little bit of a colonizing expectation of what you're supposed to do. And I always tell people that what makes my music Brazilian is the fact that I am Brazilian, and I, that, that I refuse to be people's exotic bird. You know, I just want to be a composer. Fair.
2: So you have a long-standing collaboration with the flute player we are about to hear play your music, uh, Claire Chase. How did you and Claire meet and start working together?
6: That's an interesting question because there are two versions. Claire only remembers the second time that we saw each other. (laughs) Uh, But... uh... The, the actual time, the, the actual first time, I had a friend who was going to school with me that told me about this crazy good flutist that had just arrived in Chicago that could play Fern and Ho while eating cereal. And I went to this uh, recording session, and I saw her, and I had a, a very sort of a true blood reaction. I was like, what are you? And I just knew that I had to meet her. And then when we met and sat down and had a few drinks together, it was love at first sight. Um, So, this piece is called Pessoa. Tell
2: us a little bit about the title. and um, It's for flute and electronics. So, tell us what the electronic
6: element is going to be up to in this piece. Sure. When Claire approached me about this piece, she was telling me about the concept of her album, which is called Density, based on the Varese piece. And she wanted uh, a piece for multiple flutes in which she would record all the tracks, uh, which she did. So, I decided to write this piece for six bass flutes, in which uh, one of the bass flutes is sort of the, the... The main flute, the soloist, but the other five flutes are really sort of part of that same voice, it's almost like a meta flute, so the other five flutes kind of enhance what the main one is doing, and pessoa means person in Portuguese, but the piece is also based on a poem by the poet Fernando Pessoa Uh, so it's a little bit of a a, sort of a word of games uh, and uh, of course like uh, treating the idea of individuality within multiplicity. Sounds like a plan, let's hear
2: it! So we're going to hear in the Jerome L. Green performance space, flutist Claire Chase performing Pessoa by Marcos Balder. Here is flute player Claire Chase. Mm-hmm. Wow. Piece is called Passoa, performed by flutist Claire Chase, and written by Marcos Balter. Let's have one more bow from Marcos Balter. A profile of Marcos Balter is coming soon from our new Meet the Composer podcast, produced by Q Two and hosted by me, Nadia Sirota. Right now, I want to play for you another little teaser of our series. This produced by my uh, wonderful collaborator, Alexander Overington, and this clip features composer Andrew Norman from WQXR's Q2 Music. This is Meet the Composer. I'm your host, Nadia Sirota. Today, we've been mining the brain of Andrew Norman. As we've said a few times on the show today, Andrew has always been attracted to massive ensembles. He's been writing orchestra music since he was 14. That having been said, last year, Andrew wrote an orchestra piece that was his biggest yet. In a commission for Gilrose and the Boston Modern Orchestra Project, Andrew wrote a 45-minute symphonic piece that represents something akin to a symphony number one.
1: The piece is called Playing? Playing? It is really big, and they gave me sort of free reign to do what I wanted. And I was like, all right, I'm going to write an expansive symphonic piece. It's in three big parts. About a week ago, maybe ten days ago, I had the idea to call them level one, level two, and level three. Is this sort of like a video game? There's definitely a video game reference here.
2: You've written a piece about a video game before. Yeah,
1: no, it's a recurring motive in my output. I'm not a gamer myself, but I really love watching. And I think there's something very interesting about the way a narrative is processed in a video game and the way one works through time in a video game.
0: Ooh.
1: The idea of trying things again and again, this is very natural to how video games work. You try it, you fail. You try, you choose a door, you go down there, it didn't work, you go back, you choose another door. I think of it in a very formal sense. I actually think there's something about symphonic form. That is very similar to this idea of, like, the do-over button and the, like, trying things multiple ways. So, like, in a Beethoven symphony, they present some ideas, they mix them all up, right? And then they go back and they try them all again and they get them right. Right. So what was gotten wrong at the beginning that created this sort of dissonance, we would say, they go back and they put everything in the right arrangement, which to me is a very video game-like idea of, like... We're working our way through this thing, some things things go right, some things go wrong, and then finally we kind of figure everything out, what had been kind of a mess, we figure it out and we do it right. I could go on and on and on about this.
2: Andrew Norman, one of our featured composers on this inaugural season of Meet the Composer, let us welcome Andrew Norman to the stage. So the piece we're about to hear of yours is written for string quartet uh, tonight, played by the Ataka Quartet, who's sitting in the corner over there, um, and it's called "Peculiar Strokes." So, what does that title mean?
1: Yeah, well, um, so I guess uh, I'm a I'm a violist, a very bad violist myself, and um, a lot of my work starts with me improvising on my instrument and and figuring things out and and uh, exploring. Um, different physical ways of approaching the instrument. Um, I was actually thinking just as we were hearing some of the other instrumentalists play that there's something peculiar about all bow strokes in a way. Uh, there's nothing very natural about the way we hold and play string instruments. There's nothing intuitive or or easy about the physical motions involved. And uh, when you really start to think about, as a player every little muscle that is moving in every single way to get that bow to move in the exact precise way on the string. It's really complicated and kind of freaky. Um, so this this piece I wrote is this, a collection of tiny little pieces. Um, it's kind of an open-ended collection. They can, there's about 12 or 13 now. They can go in any order. And each one is meant to explore a very specific physical way of approaching the instrument. And so I like to think that they're kind of bow strokes that are slightly off the beaten path of what we normally do
2: so um let's look at just one of these bow strokes for example that is a little bit um well they're all not what one would normally the way one would normally approach the instrument uh but pick one in particular and maybe we can have a little demo of it and see what's going on
1: yeah um so i think uh luke back there the violist might demonstrate a stammer and and I invented little one-word names for each of them, um, which I think they're going to say before each of the movements, but a stammer stroke would be just taking a normal slow up bow and adding the tiniest bit of like strobe-like motions in your upper arm, and you get this kind of interesting effect. Maybe you could demonstrate for us. Cool. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say, too, for those of you who might be listening to this on the radio, half the fun of this piece is watching these people make these sounds. So you're just going to have to use your imaginations also for those of you that can't see um, here in the space. But I'm very invested in the physicality of, of playing, so that's largely what this is about.
2: So it's interesting for me to hear that you wrote a bunch of miniatures, because when I think about your work, I think about large, symphonic, crazy, tons of instruments on stage making big, cacophonous, fun, organized sound out of chaos. Um, did you find... Was this a natural thing for you to do next, or did you find it a little bit more complicated to write miniatures?
1: Um, well, I, I really love the process. I've actually written... Um, these little pieces um, all along the process uh, over the last couple years of so I kind of use them as a, like an antidote to the giant structural thinking and these are just little tiny one idea pieces and it's it's very much like a um, a way to exercise a different part of my brain and no less challenging to be uh, what's the opposite of long winded short winded or <laughs> glib I guess I don't know but it's uh, I like to try to be on both extremes there.
2: Awesome, let's hear it. We're going to hear um, six, I believe, six of these uh, peculiar strokes for string quartet, and we'll hear a performance by the Ataco Quartet here live in the Jerome L. Green performance space.
1: This is spread... release
5: up down
1: Stammer.
4: skim.
2: from Andrew Norman's *Peculiar Strokes*, played by the Ataka Quartet: violinists Amy Schroeder and Keiko Tokunaga, Luke Fleming on viola, and Andrew Lee on cello. Let's have another round of applause for Andrew Norman. I'm Nadia Sirota, and we're live in the Jerome El Green performance space tonight celebrating the launch of Q2 Music's new podcast, Meet the Composer. The five composers from our inaugural season are all here tonight, although one virtually via the internet. Um, and that brings us to our last composer of the evening. Alex Ross of The New Yorker calls John Luther Adams one of the most original musical thinkers of the new century. JLA composes for orchestra, chamber ensembles, percussion, and electronics. And his piece, Become Ocean, recently just won the 2014 Pulitzer Prize for Music. And we welcome him to the Jerome L. Green Performance Space. Um, so you just moved from Alaska to New York. Yeah. How's
3: that going? Pretty good so far. I have to say, I'm just going to take the microphone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is a, an honor for m- me to be here and a thrill. Uh, I'm a huge Nadia Surrida fan. Who isn't? right? <laughs> I've been listening to Q2 since uh, it first went live uh, from Alaska, and um, it is, um, I guess this month I've had the um, uncanny experience of having my first visit to Carnegie Hall, and now my first visit to the green space. <laughs> and it's, it's just a, a great thrill and an honor for me to be part of what you, Nadia, and all, you, all the great people here at Q2 are doing, um, to be here tonight with these incredible younger composers, these fabulous musicians, and with all of you open-minded, open-eared people here in the green space and out there on the Internet. Uh, this is this is an amazing gathering. I'll give you the microphone back. <laughs>
2: um, so, yeah, but I still want to know <laughs> um, what you think about New York. Do you think... You're going to stay here for a bit? Do you think it's going to change your music? I mean, you've been writing basically so, on the edge of ask everywhere. Ask
0: What wife, do you think? That,
3: you know. <laughs> <laughs> so look, here we are, um, after 40 years in Alaska, a couple of uh, cabin hippies uh, living uh, in, in South Harlem and loving it. So, you know, we, we've got our urban cabin, and it's really exciting. I think we're going to need to come and go. Fair. <laughs> Um, So, why don't you set up this work for us
2: a little bit? Red Red Arc, Blue Veil. Sure.
3: Um. Sure. Um, This is by now um, kind of an older piece. I think it was written in 2001, so it's got a few years on it, uh, like the composer. And it it was perhaps the first, or one of the first, in a series of pieces uh, for uh, mixed media, for electronic sounds and acoustic instruments, the electronic sounds derived from the acoustic instruments. And the idea here is... um, sound as color um, and um, audible uh, form. And I would say the the whole ensemble, in this case it's trio, Mm -hmm. piano, percussion, and electronic sounds, is conceived as a single instrument, and the whole piece is a single, rich, uh, complex, slowly evolving sonority. That's great.
2: Let's hear it. So we're gonna hear uh, Red Arc Blue Veil performed by members of Hotel Elephant. We have Kirsten Volness on piano and Nick Gleason on percussion. Here's music by John Luther Adams. Bonus on piano and Nick Gleason percussion. The piece is called Red Arc, Blue Veil by composer John Luther Adams. And let's have another hand for composer John Luther Adams. I'm Nadia Sirota, and we're in the Jerome L. Green performance space tonight to celebrate the launch of the new podcast series called Meet the Composer from Q2 Music. And in just a minute, we'll hear the first episode, but first, I'd like to thank a whole bunch of people. Can I have all of the composers and performers from tonight come up on stage, please? Thanks to all of the composers. Thanks to Donica Dennehy, Caroline Shaw, Marcos Balter, Andrew Norman, and John Luther Adams. And thanks to our performers, Vicki Chow, Ashley Bathgate, Todd Reynolds, Hannah Collins, Claire Chase, the Ataka Quartet, and members of Hotel Elephant. Please take a bow. Thanks to our friends at Cold Blue, who've released the CD Red Arc Blue Veil commercially, as well as our friends at New Focus and NMC Records. And thanks to the staffs of both The Green Space and Q2 Music. I'm Nadia Sirota, live from The Green Space, and now for the premiere of Meet the Composer. Thanks for listening. For episodes, bonus tracks, and more, go to q2music.org meetthecomposer, or subscribe to our podcast, Meet the Composer, on iTunes.